It's hard to believe that we are one month away from what will probably be the most divisive day in the history of our country. It doesn't matter who walks away the winner. It doesn't matter who walks away the loser. Pretty much down the line, 50% of the country is going to be furious. You say, are you overreacting? Let me tell you how much I'm not overreacting or how much I take this serious. I've intentionally, the day after the election, left my calendar open to go nowhere. I don't want to be out in public on that day. Because I literally have no clue what's going to be happening in our country on that day. There's going to be a lot of emotions running wild. A lot of happy people bragging. And a lot of people who didn't go their way sulking. There's going to be a lot of things going on in our country that day. And what I feel very safe to say is there's not going to be a lot of love happening that day. I get asked over and over and over, what are you going to do if blank wins the election? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up that Wednesday and I'm going to do what the Bible says and I'm going to pray for my leaders and I'm simply going to love people. Now do not mistake that as on Tuesday that I'm not going to go out and vote for who I think the best fit for our country is. But on Wednesday, when it's out of my control and it's out of my hands, really the only thing I can do is what the Bible says I'm to do. And the Bible says every man must give an account for himself. I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to love Because here's what I do know, no matter what happens on Super Tuesday, God's still in control on Wednesday. Love, such a powerful word. And really, you've heard me say this 10 million times. We joke around here, I have seven sermons. I only have about 10 phrases. And this is one of those phrases. It's just a simple word. It's a word that in our society has become diluted in every sense of the word. It it, it can mean something is so filled with passion. Man, I love my life. I love my family. I love my wife. But it's also the exact same word that we use for, man, I love chicken wings. Boy, I love the Georgia Bulldogs. Man, I love to go to the mountains. And I do love all those things. You can obviously tell I love chicken wings. But as much as I love chicken wings, I don't love chicken wings like I love my wife. But in the English language, which compared to other languages, is just a very simplistic language. It's not a very descriptive language. The word love is the word that we use whenever we like something. And therefore, it dilutes the word. We live in a day and time where we throw around the word love a lot. But if we were to be honest, love is a very non-existent thing in our society. 
We love things that we love. We love those that look like us, and we love those that act like us, and we love those that think like us, and we love those that believe like us, and we love those that have the same ideology that we have, and we love those that do what we think they ought to do. But we really don't show a lot of love. The Bible says, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. We don't love as we're supposed to love. We're no more for what we're against than what we're for. Especially the church. People can tell you all day long what the church is against. Very few times can they tell you what the church is for. You say, well, I know what the church is for. You know what the church is for because you attend church. The outside world knows what the church is against, but not what the church is for. The reality is we were created to love. You cannot read this book. It is impossible to read this book and not see a love story. It's a love story in every sense of the word. It's a love story of a God who loves us so much that he sent his only son to pay the price for our screw-ups, our mess-ups. It's a love story of a God who loved us so much that he sent his son to pay a price that we could never pay. It's a story of a God who loves us so much that he sent his only son to pay a debt he didn't owe. In every sense of the word, it's a love story of a God who loves us so much in spite of our hurts, our habits, and our hangups that he sent his son. It's a love story of a God who overlooks our sin and our mistakes and all the things that we do to screw up every single day. I said, I love him so much, I'm going to send him away to spend eternity with me. The Old Testament's a love story. It's a love story that Jesus is coming. Anytime you read a love story, there's got to be a build-up to the love story. The Old Testament is that. In the Gospels, that's the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a love story of Jesus is here. The Old Testament's Jesus is coming. The first four books of the Bible is he's here. And the rest of the New Testament is Jesus is coming again. It's a love story. It's a story of a perfect God loving imperfect people. And it's hard for us to understand that. Our minds don't comprehend that. Because in the natural, which is what we operate in, it's very hard for us to love the unlovable. It's easy for us to love those that we're to love. But it's hard for us to love those that don't look like us or don't agree like us are those that have wronged us. But love is love. No matter the circumstances behind it. We love 
We are to love because we are loved. God loves us because simply we're unlovable at our core. It's a love story. And the climax of the love story is found in John 3, 16, the most famous verse in all the Bible. So simple that sometimes we overlook it. The Bible says, for God so loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. (laughs) That's mind-boggling to me. Leave that up, please, Joe or Xander, whoever's running that. God so loved I don't understand it, but why would we understand it? Because let's just be honest, we serve a God who in many ways is a mystery. That's what makes him God. If you understand all there is to understand about God, there's no faith needed, and he's not really God. God's ways are not our ways. Our ways are in the natural. God's ways are in the supernatural. His love is higher than our love. It's a love that no matter how hard we try to comprehend, I don't know, maybe you're more spiritual than me, maybe you're more gifted than me, but I don't think you are because I'm friends with almost all of you on Facebook and I notice that you don't do it very well. We just don't comprehend his love. It's a mind-boggling love. God loves messy people. Someone introduced me the other day, and they said, this is Gary. He's the pastor of Action Church. And they said, nobody in this town loves messed up people more than him. And I started laughing. I said, what's funny? I said, I don't love messed up people. I said, messed up people make me want to choke them out. Messed up people make me want to punch them in the face. I said, have you heard the old expression, my cross to carry? I said, for whatever reason, messed up people seem to be my cross to carry. But make no mistake about it. I don't, can't say that I love them. Someone asked me the other day, they said, man, you've got to be pastoring the church you dreamed of. I said, I'm pastoring the church I'm called to. I've got a buddy of mine. I love him. He's one of the few pastors I talk to. He pastors a little bitty church. In the mountains of Kentucky, church has been there about 200-something years, has about 50 people that show up every week. They told him when he got there, listen, we don't want this church to grow. We just want you to preach every week. They said in exchange for you preaching every week, and though it's only 50 people, there's actually a lot of influential people in this church, and we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. And they said, just coincidence, the guy who owns the Ford dealership goes to our church. So every year, we're going to get you a new car. That's what they said. They said, we want you to marry our children and bury our elderly and wow us with your Bible teaching on Sunday. So I called him. I said, what are you doing? Oh, I just got done sitting on the front porch of Miss Betsy's house. I said, what, what was that like? He said, man, she made fried chicken, biscuits. He said, I've been at this church five years and I've gained 70 pounds. I said, are y'all hiring? I said, but yeah. But, so I try to spin it like, like I got to find something negative about it, right? I'm like, yeah, but I've been at a church like that, man. There's a lot of drama. He said, I'm not invited to the drama. 
I said, what do you mean? He goes, the deacons run the church. They don't even let me come to the meetings. I said, five years and you can't go to the meetings? He goes, I don't want to go to the meetings. He goes, I just preach and get paid and sit on people's front porches. And I said, God, why can't I have a church like that? Now, I know what you're saying. You'd go crazy in about three weeks. I probably would. I've always had the expression that it's easier to give birth than raise the dead. That's why I start churches instead of take churches over. But there's days, I got to be honest, there's days when you folks, and I love you, are driving me nuts. I'm thinking, man, are there any mountain churches hiring? I mean, surely I can handle a snake every now and then. (laughs) Man, I don't know that I love messy people. They're my calling. But God loves messy. Don't miss this. God even loves messy people who stay messy. (laughs) God loves people, the world. For God so loved the world, white, black, green, yellow, rich, poor, American, Spanish, African-American, tribes that you never heard of, that haven't been discovered. There's a God who knows their names and loves them. As we enter into this next phase as a country, and I hate to bring country so much into church, but I think it needs to be taught, the church has an opportunity to love. I don't think that means the church stays back and doesn't preach the truth. I don't think that means the church stays back and stays silent. I don't think that means the church stays back and is passive. But the church has got to learn to stand while loving. The church has got to learn to make their voice heard while loving. You can create a revolution by loving. But the church has decided fighting and division is the way about it. And my question is, how is that working in our society? I'm infatuated with Billy Sunday. You might not know that about me, the old evangelist. There was never a preacher who was more mean and more hardcore than Billy Sunday. But if you read the biographies of Billy Sunday, what you'll find out is when he got behind the pulpit, he was firing brimstone where they said he was the most loving person ever. He would come into towns, and he would be at the bars as the bars closed, and as people were sitting on the sidewalk, as the alcohol kicked in and their lives falling apart, he would sit there with them for hours, letting them cry on his shoulder. Being there with them through their darkest days. They said, yeah, he has this reputation as this fire and brimstone little guy. But he was loving. He understood the power of love. I think if we were going to run for a political campaign, it needs to be on the, on the platform of, hey, just love. We have an opportunity to love. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about how do we love with those that we disagree with? How do we love those that hurt us? But today, I'm going to talk to the church and talk about our mission as a church. If there was ever a time I really wanted it broadcast online, it was this message because there's so many new people that interact with us. It's always interesting to me to go back on Sunday afternoon and read the comments on the live feed, checking in from New York, checking in from Minnesota, checking in from California, checking, there's some guy every single week checking in from Ireland. That's pretty cool to me. 
I want them to understand, though, listen, we don't just do this to do this. We don't do this because we have nothing better to do on Sunday. If COVID taught me anything after 22 years of preaching every Sunday, I, I got to be honest with you. There was two times we actually recorded the service on Friday to show you on Sunday. And having a Sunday morning off was glorious. Did you know the NFL has a pregame show and they have a pregame show to the race? I didn't know those things. It was amazing. Did you know there's breakfast places that serve breakfast on Sunday morning? I didn't know that. The lake is open on Sunday morning and the grill fires up on Sunday morning. It was amazing. And I got to be honest with you, I can get real, real used to it. But we have a mission and a calling and that calling's to love. God is love. And Jesus, before returning to heaven, left us with the mission to carry out. And that mission is the mission of God. Here's what Jesus said before he returned to heaven, after he resurrected. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. God gave us a mission it's not a small mission. It's actually called the Great Commission. He left us as Christ followers with one duty and one duty only. We are to go and preach the gospel. That word gospel literally means good news. We're to go tell the world the good news. You say, what is the good news? Here's the good news. God loves you. The creator of the universe, the one who spoke it into existence, the one who took nothing and made something, loves you. And we have a mission to carry that out. Our job is to let the world know that Jesus loves them. We're to spread the message of love. But somewhere along the way, the church, Big C, the church in general, has missed out on that. And we've got to where we, just, we are spreading hate instead of love. We're spreading tradition instead of love. We're spreading religion instead of love. We're spreading preference instead of love. The good news is love. For God so loved the world. <laughs> We're left here to do that. Here's what I want you to understand. I want you to look to the person to the right of you today. Look at them. Nod your head at him. Now flip your head to the left and look at the person to the left of you. Nod your head at him. Phil hates these messages and he hates when I make this statement. There's a very good possibility you won't see that person next week. Because after they hear the message or the mission or the reason on why we exist, they're not mad. They just decide this isn't the church for them. Let me make this clear to you. I'm okay with that. If at the end of the message you decide this is not the church for you, come to me. Tell me what you're looking for in a church, and I'll be glad to point you in the direction of one of the churches in our community. But let me make this clear to you. We're not changing what we feel we're called to do because what we feel called to do is what I believe is the mission of all churches, and that's to spread the good news, the good news that God is love. That's why we exist. We take that very seriously. It's easy to come into Action Church and maybe lose sight of the fact that we take this serious. 
let's just be honest. In the forms of church, we're a pretty laid back church. Not a lot of studies around here. Not a lot of programs around here. Not a lot of formality around here. We don't even have a member. Someone said, how do you become a member? I said, you just show up on Sundays. (laughs) Show up on Sundays. Well, what does membership get you? Well, in a more traditional church, they vote on everything and members get to vote. We don't vote on anything. Why don't we vote? Because there's nothing to vote on. (laughs) We're going to vote to have church next Sunday. We're not going to vote on what I preach on. There's nothing to talk about. Well, who makes decisions? There's no decisions. Like, I don't mean that flippantly. Like, we, we, we just have church. <laughs> See, the church has become complicated. We voted eight, nine years ago to love our community. And we voted that we will have the mantra, we will do anything short of sin to reach those that are far from God. Let that soak in for a minute. We will do anything short of sin to reach those that are far from God. That means we're not going to put tradition before reaching those that are far from God. We're not going to put taking a risk before putting those that are far from God. We're not, going to, we're not going to be willing to, not willing to try new things to reach those that are far from God. And what happens is you post this statement, we will do anything short of sin to reach those that are far from God, and people amen it because it sounds really good on paper. But it's really hard to live out because it gets us out of our comfort zone. You might not think I have a comfort zone, but believe it or not, I've now been in the church where I've been pastoring since I was 21. I'm 44, so 23 years. I was out of ministry for two of those years, so 21 years active. Contrary to popular belief, I have a thing that makes me comfortable when it comes to church. I have a way of doing things that seem the right way to me. But I want to reach those that are far from God, and I don't ever want to get into the rut of only the way I know to do it. To reach those that no one else is reaching... The church must be willing to do what no one else is doing. And it would really be a good idea if we started with loving. There's power in love. It's easy to walk into Action Church the first time and see the chaos and not realize the intentionality that goes in to making Action Church happen. Everything to the way the church looks to having tables, to red paint, to everything is intentional. We said from day one, we wanted you to walk into this place and a person who's been in a bar all night on Saturday night to walk in and be like, whoa, man, a table, it's amazing. It's amazing. A seven-foot-tall, 600-pound person all of a sudden feels comfortable when they're hidden behind a table. I'm 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 not awkward now. We want them to come in and have a hot cup of coffee and maybe a pastry to eat. We want them to come in and hear music that automatically disarms them because they say the average person decides whether or not they're coming back to a church within the first three to four minutes of getting out of their car. They haven't even heard the preacher preach and they haven't even heard the music at that time. What they've heard is someone made them feel welcome. Do I feel comfortable? We'll do anything short of sin to reach those that are far from God. There are over 900 
churches in Cherokee County. Let me repeat that. So when you had that friend of yours that says, I just can't find a good church in Cherokee County, maybe the problem is not the churches. The problem is them. 900 churches. Dear God in heaven, surely you can find something that speaks to you. 900 churches. The reality is, one time someone posted on Facebook, what are phrases that Gary uses all the time? And Tanya Mahay posted, Canton doesn't need another church. So I want to change it up today. Cherokee County didn't need another church when we started Action Church. It just didn't. It needed another church like I need a hole in my head. You can't throw a rock without hitting a church in Cherokee County. But what Cherokee County did need was a place that was willing to do whatever it takes short of sin to reach those that are far from God. It needed a place that was willing to create an environment where those who want nothing to do with church can feel like they can come in and at their own pace they can hear the word of God preached week after week where they can come along and be around true Christ followers, not people steeped in religion and realize, listen, following Christ doesn't mean you become perfect and have it all together. It just means we serve one and we're loved by one who's perfect and has it all together. It didn't need another church. But it needed a place for those who have found church lacking. So let me blow your mind. 900-something churches in Cherokee County and 74% of the Cherokee County doesn't attend church on Sunday morning. Let me repeat that stat for you. 74% of Cherokee County does not attend church on Sunday morning. 900-something churches, let me blow your mind. They came through here, the Southern Baptists did about five years ago, and they did a survey of every church, just not Southern Baptist churches. They took all 900-something churches. They, took, they found out the seating capacity in each and every one of their auditoriums. And they said if every church in Cherokee County had two services that were 100% packed out, there would only be room for 57% of Cherokee County people to attend church on Sunday morning. My point is there's a lot of people in this community who they're not giving up on Jesus, but they've given up on the church because they have found the church lacking. They have found the church not loving. And if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, then we need to be the church that oozes love. It's real easy sometimes in a church like Action Church because, believe it or not, we have a very diverse church. We have a very diverse church um, economically. There's people from all walks. We have a very diverse church lifestyle-wise. We have a very diverse church politically. Just because skin color is not so diverse, the reality is 97.7% of Canton, Georgia is white. It is what it is. We look like our community. So, you know... If we were in an area that was 60% African-American and we were this white, I'd be worried that we weren't reaching our community. We look like our community, but we're very diverse. And so some of you say, I see people arguing on Facebook, there's no love. And I say, man, I see people together every Sunday. And even though they've argued all week on Facebook, still hug each other. And so think, I would love nothing more than you guys to learn to argue a little bit more diplomatically. And maybe throughout this series, God will convict you, Kylie Blankenship. But I don't know. <laughs> Oh, did I say that? 
Sometimes the Holy Spirit just flows through me and it comes out. I don't, I don't know what to say. Love, it's a powerful thing. I want to talk to you today about a subject that's very near and dear to me. I, I want to talk to you about reaching those that are far from God. That's everything that I am as a Christian. It, it, it's my passion to take outsiders and make them insiders. You have to vote, and let's just vote just to love in 2020. Today we're going to be hanging out in Mark 2. I know I've preached from this chapter 10 million times, but I can't help it. It's just so powerful to me. It's one of those chapters that impacted my life like never before. Jesus has just healed a guy, and then he called Matthew. He's healed a guy, and then Matthew's there, Levi's there, same guy. And he was a very sinful tax collector, and he told Matthew, come follow me. And Matthew did it. And Matthew was so known, as, had such a reputation as such an evil person that all the religious people started murmuring. Have you heard of this guy going to his house? Have you heard of where he's going? Jesus, Jesus is going to that guy's house to eat dinner? What, what, what kind of person is he? But he shows up at Matthew's house, and Matthew didn't just invite him over to dinner. Matthew's throwing a party and invited all of his friends that had all these horrible reputations over. And here's Jesus just chilling and loving and hanging out and doing life with these people. And the Pharisees, the religious people, they were highly offended by this. And they said, why does Jesus eat with sinners? Mm. Have you seen the people that he hangs out with? And he calls himself a Christian. Oh, Gary, that's Gary. He pastors that church. Mm. I always like it when people that don't go to church, they introduce me to their friends, and I always feel like they got a prep. Now, he's a pastor. It's a different kind of church. And I always, sometimes if I'm in a mood, I'm just a smart elk. I'm like, yeah, we just love Jesus, nothing else. You know. (laughs) So they're all, why does he eat with sinners? And Jesus responded to them, and he responded with the man. The religious people didn't know what to say. He literally left them speechless. Here's what Jesus said. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners. Why does he eat with sinners? And he said, he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. What good does it do for the healthy to go to the doctor, especially when there's so much sickness out there? The sick need to go to the doctor. <laughs> he said, I didn't come for you people, the religious, those that have it all together. Back that up. Those who act like they have it all together. I've come for the down and out. It's such an emotional verse to me when you recognize this. Jesus came for the sick. And once we become healthy, it's not that Jesus doesn't love us anymore. We just now are partnered with him in the mission to reach the sick. What good is health if we're not willing to reach out to those that are unhealthy. It makes no sense. We're not supposed to be healthy where we can lock ourselves in our house and have no communication with anybody else. We learn and we return. God radically changed our life when we were sick. We got healthy. Now he's left us here for one purpose and one purpose only, to reach the sick. If all we had to do was get healthy, the moment we got healthy, he'd just take us to heaven. 
The only thing we can do here that we can't do in heaven is reach the sick, spread the gospel. That's why we are here. It's an emotional verse, man. He said, this is why I've come. Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is all about outsiders. And here's what happens when you become an insider. And I preach this. So many of you get upset about it. It's because you're like the older brother in the prodigal son story. Remember the father's all excited. Here comes the lost son. He's back home. Throw a party. And the older son says, what about me? I never left. The father looks at him and says, you've got everything I own. It's always yours. I'm here for you. We're together. We have communion. We have relationship. But your brother was dead. Now he's found again. It's not that Jesus doesn't love us once we enter into a relationship with him. We just have communion with him then. We have community with him then. We have everything that he has, the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, you're good. I got you. But what about that one? We got to go get him. And what about that one? We got to go get him. And what about that one? He's still unhealthy. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. God says, he's where you were. Mm. He says, you've got healthy and forgot you were there. You forgot a healthy person came alongside you and got you back to health. Now you're healthy, you're eating that good stuff, you're working out, you're feeling good, but, but, but you don't want anything to do with that. Nothing pisses me off more. Let me, refer, let me Nothing angers me more than when I'm at the gym to the point that I've called people out about it. And I see guys that are in shape and they're pumping it and they're working it, unlike me. And I see somebody over there super out of shape and I see them laughing or making fun of the person over there. And I think to myself, ain't that where they should be? Why don't you quit flexing in the mirror and taking your selfies for your Instagram and go over and show them what they're doing wrong? Why don't you go over and help them? Man, once we get healthy, we get arrogant. We think it's all about us. This is not about us. Don't miss that. That doesn't mean we don't get fed. It doesn't mean we don't have community. We have a deeper level of community, a deeper, le- deeper level of learning than ever before. But our mission is to gather together on Sundays, be there for each other, and go out the rest of the time and bring outsiders in to be insiders. That's the mission of the church. It's not a holy huddle. It's not our four no more. One time someone asked me, how big do you want the church to be? I've never thought about it. Whatever God wants to send through the doors. What if it gets to four or five? Am I supposed to look at me and say, sorry, we're full. Go away. Don't think like that. As long as we're reaching outsiders and making them insiders, and as long as the insiders who end up with this church understand the mission of this church, then the doors are open. Because we're called to love. (laughs) recently driving down the road and saw a guy pushing a bicycle. He was tweaking. He had the scars on his face. He was talking to himself. He was mumbling. I see him. I recognized him immediately. And I get to the stop sign and I see him and lo and behold, if he don't have an action church shirt on. <laughs> talking to himself. 
I rode down the way. I said, man, you good? I'm good, good. And he keeps on going like he didn't even recognize me. I'm like, all right. The guy's been to church here hundreds of times. Just keeps on walking. My wife has a huge heart for this guy. And like he's walking around mumbling, his jaws all tweaking. And I started to get just real irritated at the guy. And I thought, well, man, we didn't do much for that guy. (laughs) Then I had this thought. That's one way to look at it. We didn't do much help for that guy. Or I can look at it a different way. And instead of saying we didn't do much help for that guy, I thought, man, that guy's why we exist. Because I remember when he came in these doors. And I remember how our crowd loved on that guy. And how our crowd helped that guy. And how he knows that every time his life starts to fall apart and his mind's working correctly, he knows, let me go down there because those people love me. You say, but he hasn't changed. I think he's changed. I don't get to dictate what change looks like. I'm not the measuring stick of what change is. My job is to love him. And I don't have a time limit on how long I'm to love him. I don't love him for a year and then give up on him. That's not love. Somebody say amen. I love on him for over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I pray every single day that one day it clicks and he's radically changed. I wonder how many times my mom prayed for me over and over and over and over again. And I broke her heart nonstop. I remember when he came through these doors. I remember when he went almost 18 months clean, coherent, got his own apartment. And I remember everything about it. He was being drawn to what was right. But he always gets held back by what is wrong. My job's to love. My job's to disciple. My job's to be there for him. He knows to this day he can still come down here. Because our job's to love. I want to tell you something. I don't mean this in a controversial way. I'm not trying to upset any of you. But we started this church for that guy. Some of you have come into this church and you're deep in your faith. Let me make this very clear. We are so thankful for you. We, there's times in this church that we've been so unhealthy because we had no, I use this word loosely, but no mature people in their faith. Thank God that you're here. But we didn't start this church for you. God sent you here. God sent you here on mission. And we're so thankful you're part of the team. But we started this church for the junkie pushing his bicycle on an action church time. Here's why. Because if you get mad and leave, guess what you'll do? You'll go find another church. You're mature enough in your faith that you'll go find somewhere else to get fed and grow. That junkie, I don't know that he feels he can go anywhere else. But right here. And thank you for believing in us that allow us to do that. (laughs) Jesus didn't come for those who had it all together. He came for the sick, the broken. He came for the broke, busted, and disgusted. He came for the sinners of the world. Just love. Being a church where you just shut up and love gets me pretty excited. But I didn't grow up in church like that. Even churches I pastored in the past didn't have that mindset. We would have told you we had that mindset. I pastored the big, I started the biggest church in this community. 
I can't speak for anything about that church right now. So if anybody says I'm talking junk about them, I ain't been there in almost 12 years. But when I was there, we would have told you we cared about those that were far from God. We really cared about being cool. That was in the affliction stage of society. We cared about who had the coolest affliction shirt every week. How many lights we could have and how much smoke we could have. And what kind of mailer we could do that would create a lot of controversy in the community. That's funny. The older I get, I want to strip all that away. And just love people far from God. <laughs> when Action Church was started, it was a, started with a desire to be different. To reach those who didn't do church. There's a place for traditional church. There's a place for every church in this community. I'm not ripping on any church. There's, there's a place there. But this place was started to love it was started to carry out what I think the mission of Jesus Christ is. Let me make sure this is clear. I think all those churches ought to have that mission too. But I'm not responsible for how those churches are led. I'm responsible for this church. We're responsible. We are responsible for how we carry it out. Today I want to talk to you on this subject, and we're going to get done real, real quick. Love reaches people. Love reaches people. All that was just the introduction Hope your crock pot's on low. No, I'm going to get out of here quick. I'm hungry. I'm going to fly through this. Because this is one of those chapters I've preached on a thousand times, but it's, it's a great reminder. We're talking about love. The Bible says this in Mark 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Calpurnia, the people heard that Jesus had come home. They gathered in large numbers. Everywhere Jesus went, there was large numbers. I wonder why, because when you love people, they come flocking. Who heard that Jesus had come? They gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left, not even outside the house. And he preached the word to them. Preached the word. It's so funny. You can preach the word and still love. Hello. You can preach the word and still love. So man came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. The guy couldn't walk. He's paralyzed. You know the story. Four of them on a stretcher, they're carrying him. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd... They made an opening in the roof above Jesus. This is why I love this story. It's why I preach all the time. Because it just reminds me of the rednecks at Action Church. <laughs> Can't get him there. Hold my beer. You know what we can do? We can go through the roof. How we can go through the roof? I don't know, but we can do it. God, I just know that would be you guys. By digging through it, they lowered the man. Lowered the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. When Jesus saw their faith. Not the faith of the man who was paralyzed. When he saw the friend's faith. That's why there's power in love. When Jesus saw their love for that man, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. I love this story. I want to ask you a question today. Where's your love for people without Christ? Where's your love? Do we have that graphic, Xander? Were you able to get that up there or no? You're apathetic. Where, don't, don't say it out loud. Where would you be? Now, don't say you're a 10 unless you're Billy Graham, okay? 10. Boom, you're Billy Graham. You're holding revivals for tens of thousands of people. I mean, you know, six or seven means you, you, you're regularly inviting people to church. You're regularly sharing your faith. One or two, man, that you came or the last time you prayed for someone who don't know Christ. Where are you at? Only you can answer that question. Only you can answer that question. If we're going to be the church that Christ wants us to be, we've got to love those without Christ. And listen, we can't be Billy, so we ain't going to be a 10. But we need to be hovering around that 8 or 9. What that means is we need to be thinking about those that are far from God nonstop. We need to be reaching out to those that are far from God 
nonstop. We have a phrase around here called invest and invite. Here's what we say. You invest in your friends. You invest in your people who don't go to church, and you invite them to church. We partner together. We would never have a membership around here. If we called anything, it would be called partnership because we partner together. You do what we can't do. You get your lost friends here, and we'll do what many times you maybe don't know how to do. We'll make sure they hear the word of God and that Jesus loves them in a relevant way. It's called partnering together. Man, we got to figure it out. The men brought their friend to Jesus. So how do we do it? If we're going to love people, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to see burdens. We have to see burdens. Some men came, verse 3, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Don't tell me you love people if you aren't willing to see the burdens of people. You need to slow down and put yourself in each other's shoes. Counselor told me that years ago. You know one of the things that has helped me get through? I've never seen a more divisive time as a pastor than this time of quarantine. People that I love more than ever, I have fought with, thrown down with, and every time, man, my first instinct is to go back and backlash, and always I just breathe. I step back and say, ah, let me put myself in their shoes. It's easy to look at it from my perspective. It's easy to look at it from what influences me. Let me put myself in their shoes. If you're going to love people, you've got to see their burdens. <laughs> I want you to notice something. They didn't see that Jesus was going to be in town and say, man, heard Jesus was in town. Man, we ought to tell our buddy who can't walk. Hey, buddy who can't walk, Jesus is in town. You ought to go check him out. No, they got involved in the, 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 life's, the man's life. Hey, man, Jesus is in town. We're going to get you there. Even if we got to carry you. Even if we got to drag you there. <laughs> what we do in our faith nowadays is drive by Christianity. Drive by sharing the gospel. You drive by, you know, drive by shooting is drive by and you shoot somebody up and you keep going. A lot of people do that with their witnessing. It's just kind of drive by, we roll down the window. Hey, Jesus loves you. Y'all come to my church. No, you got to see people's burdens. You've got to build relationships with them. What's the old expression? People don't care what you know, do they know that you care? That's why the old evangelism movements of the 80s showed no fruit. Let's go knock on people's door that we don't know. How you doing? I'm so-and-so. I had to do it all through Bible college. I'm Gary Lamb from such-and-such college. I've got to ask you a question. If you died tonight, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? Or would there be some doubt? Who are you, crazy person on my porch? Click. <laughs> Have I ever told you about picking up, picking up the hitchhiker? I mean, Bible college, and they're teaching us to share the gospel. Man, and that's what you do. You ask them, hey, man, if you were to die today, you're 100% sure you'd go to heaven, but there'd be some doubt. So, man, I pick up this hitchhiker. We're driving down the road, and I look at him and say, man, can I ask you a question? Yeah. See, if you die today, you're 100% sure you'd go to heaven, or would there be some doubt? We're at a stop sign. The dude gets out of the car and starts running. I guess he thought I was going to kill him. <laughs> he didn't know me. There was no connection there. He's <laughs> asking the guy about eternity. I just picked up on the side of the road. I'm zealous, man. No. Got to build relationships. Man. I told someone the other day, they said, man, are your people good about inviting people to church? I said, we don't invite people to church. We bring them to church. We pick up the mat and we carry them. Hey, man, you got to check out my church. I'll be there tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock to pick you up. Afterwards, I'm going to take you and feed you. Man, you got to come check out this church. It's our job. We've got friends that got burdens. Man, your marriage is falling apart. Man, you got to come to our church. Man, your kids are going to come to our church. Man, you're struggling with this. Man, you got to come to our church. Jesus is in the house. He's teaching. It's full of people. It's jam-packed, and they're listening. These four guys come, and then they don't just stop. 
Oh, man, we tried. How many times have you done that? I invited them once. They said no. Oh, man, you got to let them see how much your life has changed. There's got to be a relation. You got to see the burdens. You got to put yourself in their shoes. And you got to let them know, man, I don't understand what you're going through, but man, Jesus does. Y'all ought to come to church with me. Y'all ought to come. Let me, I'll come pick you up. I'll do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus. These men said, man, what are we going to do? The crowd's big. We can go through the roof. Go through the roof? Yeah, man, it's clay. All we'll do is we'll rig this up and rig that up, and man, we'll get on the roof. Yeah, but it's not our house. Who cares? Our friend needs Jesus. <laughs> man, we're too busy being spiritual. Praise the Lord, brother. Oh, Jesus is the answer. Oh, I'll pray for you. We give all the cliche answers instead of pointing people to Jesus because we don't see their burdens. Man, we got to learn to show the love of Christ before we even start talking about the love of Christ. Some of you are so busy beating people over the head and then you come back with the love of Jesus and you're like, man, if that's Jesus, I don't want nothing to do with it. Second thing we got to do is we got to break the rules. I love this. It's like one of my core values in life. But if you're going to reach the unlovable, you got to break the rules. This is good. They say the church takes on the person of the pastor. That means we have a lot of rule breakers out there. We got a lot of people who don't like to be told what to do. Somebody say amen. It's okay. Don't be proud. Guess what? If you're going to reach those that no one else is reaching, you got to break the rules sometimes. They climbed up on a roof. They cut a hole in a roof. And they dropped the man down in front of Jesus. And the man got healed. That's amazing. They did what no one else was willing to do. And they got results nobody else got. We'll do anything short of sinning to reach those that are far from God. Oh, I guess I should show you the verse to back that up. Since they could not get him, they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. They shrugged their shoulders and went home. Mm-mm. They made an opening in the roof for Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat to the man was laying. It's just it's amazing to me. We got to get our friend to Jesus. We're going to do whatever it takes. Now, you need to remember something. You've got to remember what these roofs were made out of sometimes. You need to remember what these roofs were made out of most of the time. There was no more powerful substance for holding stuff together as there was crap, animal crap, dung. Sometimes to get your friend to Jesus, you've got to dig through the crap. Hashtag the preacher just said that. Sometimes, ah, there's kids in here. It's just more powerful if you say the real word, but I'm not going to. You got to dig through the crap sometimes to get them to Jesus. You got to deal with the excuses, and you got to deal with the mess-ups, and you got to deal with the ugliness, and you just got to deal with the crap sometimes. But guess what? 
when their friend was healed, they weren't worrying about the stink anymore. You got to break the rules. Got to break the rules. Man, it's why we do what we do around here. It's why we do what we do the way we do it around here. We want to break the rules. It's why we play the music that we play. I say this and I don't like, I don't, y'all need to pray because he's much older than me, Phil. So he might be ready to retire sooner than me. When you get old like Phil, I don't know how much longer he's got in him. But when Phil's done, I'm done. I appreciate every single worship leader in this church that leads worship for us when Phil can't be here. I am not belittling any of that. But when he's done, I'm done. I can't preach after somebody who doesn't have a dude that doesn't have long flowing hair that gets blown by a fan. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't follow somebody who can't do Metallica just like they can do Hillsong United. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't preach after somebody who can't be out all night with their band drinking wild turkey all night, still show up and know every word to every worship song and take us to the throne of Jesus through music. I can't do it. When he retires, I'm done. We're going to break the rules. There's a reason the things that we do around here. We could do a cute little Thanksgiving thing every year where we do turkeys for Jesus. But I like give Canton the bird. You say, why? Because it draws people. It tickles me every single year that our prim and proper mayor, who I love, knows he has to come along and help us. And he posts on Facebook at the store. You can see, I can read it so begrudgingly. Giving Canton the bird. It just tickles me. It makes me laugh. I put in the other day for a permit to have a temporary banner put up out there. Huge banner says, give Canton the bird this Thanksgiving. They denied it, but I don't care. I tried. I probably should have denied it. It's why we do what we do. I love that you guys go out into the bars and listen to music and hang out. You know how many people have come to this church the first time because they met somebody at a bar who invited them? Good. I love it. Called breaking the rules. I think that's where Jesus would be hanging out. You know the funny thing about hanging out with crazy people? You ain't got to act like crazy people to hang out with them. That's why we market the church the way we market it. It's why in the past we've done the things that we've done. We don't apologize for it. We will never apologize for it. I'm done explaining it. We're going to break the rules around here. Because I don't give two rips about the rules of tradition anymore. If it's not in this book, I'm not worried about it. With all due respect to Grandma, I don't care how Grandma's church used to do it. With all respect to some of you, I don't care how your church used to do it. Awesome. If you loved it so much, go back to it. If it's not in this book, we're not going to do it. We're going to break all the rules. All the rules. Now, we, we've had people get tattoos on stage while I was preaching. Yeah. Talking about Jay, Jesus tattooing our heart, man. It was a great example. I just can't believe it. We did it. Sorry. No, I'm not sorry. 
We're going to have carnivals out there. We're going to feed people. We're going to run shelters. We're going to have AA meetings. We're going to make sure this place is open for everybody and anybody. Why? Because, man, it's our job to love. Anything short of sin. Anything short of sin. And then last of all, listen, we just need to believe. I'm done. This one's easy. We just need to believe. There's power in believing in a vision. I've never been one of those pastors that are like, you've got to believe in everything we do or get out. That's not what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, if you don't believe in the core vision of this church, then it's probably not the church for you. Because it's the belief in the vision of this church that is going to enable us to go out and do what we do freely, which is preach Jesus, that is going to draw people to him. When Jesus saw their faith, our faith in reaching those far from God is what's going to draw people far from God to be reached. I thought it was their faith. It grows into their faith, but they don't have the faith right now. Sometimes we got to have the faith for them. We got to have the belief for them. We've got to love them to Jesus. We've got to believe them to Jesus. We got to get them to Jesus. The Bible says when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. We've got to have the belief. You know what drives me crazy? I say, I got this believing man, but man, he, he, he walked in the church, the roof would cave in. No, it wouldn't. Don't flatter him. It wouldn't. You just need to believe that he can be reached for Jesus. And then get out of the way and let Jesus do what he does. We don't do the saving. Jesus does. I tell people all the time, if your faith is in me, I am going to let you down. It is 1130. I will probably let you down by about 115 today. I'm going to the winery afterwards. There's no telling what could happen. You know, I'm going to let you down today. I'm just letting you know. Newsflash. I'm just, dis- oh, you're disappointed. Stand in line. He won't let you down. He won't let you down. I can't save you. He can. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get you before him. So we will always keep breaking the rules. I don't mean this in like, F the government. That's not what I mean. So don't take my heart. But I'm glad that we've continued to meet safely as soon as we could. I'm glad we were the first church in town to meet. Because, man, a lot of people have come to Jesus through that. We get more messages now because of our own life feed than we've ever got from people being drawn to Jesus. So many of you have come to me and said, man, it's so much easier. Man, I've got a friend. I've been trying to give him church. They've been watching the last five weeks. I think they're coming soon. Good. Good. Man, it's about Jesus. And the church is about assembling. And we're going to respect everything we can. But when they give us permission, we were going to do it. I don't apologize for that. I don't mean it as a badge of honor. I just mean we want to love people. This world needs loving right now. We're feeding more people through our pantry than we've ever fed. Man, because people are hurting. We don't, I don't think we're going to realize the long-term ramifications of this 
what our country's been through in the last six months until maybe even a year, year and a half from now. It's going to be a lot of people hurting moving forward. It's going to be a lot of people that can't recuperate quickly from this. We get the opportunity to love during this time. Some of you just got to breathe and love. Guess what? It's okay to disagree. I'm going to talk about that probably next week. But are you doing it loving? Or are you doing it in a way that you know is going to get likes on Facebook and that's more important to you than loving? Let's pray.